Chapter 40 of Whispering Smith by Frank Spearman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 40 A Sympathetic Ear. When Whispering Smith rode after Sinclair, Crawling Stone Ranch, in common with the whole countryside, had but one interest in life, and that was to hear of the meeting. Riders across the mountain valleys met with but one question. Mail carriers brought nothing in their pouches of interest equal to the last word concerning Sinclair or his pursuer. It was commonly agreed through the mountains that it would be a difficult matter to overhaul any good man riding Sinclair's steel-dust horses, but with Sinclair himself in the saddle, unless it pleased him to pull up, the chase was sure to be a stern one. Against this to feed speculation stood one man's record, that of the man who had ridden alone across Deep Creek and had brought Chuck Williams out on a buckboard. Business in Medicine Bend, meantime, was practically suspended. As the center of all telephone lines, the big railroad town was likewise the center of all rumors. Officers and soldiers to and from the fort Stage drivers and cowmen, homesteaders and rustlers discussed the apprehension of Sinclair. Moreover, behind this effort to arrest one man who had savagely defied the law were ranged all of the prejudices, sympathies, and hatreds of the high country and practically the whole population tributary to Medicine Bend and the Crawling Stone Valley were friends either to Sinclair or to his pursuer. Behind Sinclair were nearly all the cattlemen, not alone because he was on good terms with the rustlers and protected his friends, but because he warred openly on the sheepmen. The big range interests, as a rule, were openly or covertly friendly to Sinclair, while against him were the homesteaders, the railroad men, the common people, and the men who everywhere hated cruelty and outrage and the making of a lie. Lance Dunny had never concealed his friendliness for Sinclair, even after hard stories about him were known to be true, and it was this confidence of fellowship that made Sinclair, twenty-four hours after he had left Oroville, ride down the hill trail to Crawling Stone Ranch House. The morning had been cold, with a heavy wind and a dull sky. In the afternoon the clouds lowered over the valley, and a misting rain set in. Dixie had gone into Medicine Bend on the stage in the morning, and, after a stolen half-hour with McLeod at Marion's, had ridden home to escape the storm. Not less, but much more, than those about her, she was alive to the situation in which Sinclair stood and its dangers to those closest to her. In the morning her one prayer to MacLeod had been to have a care of himself, and to Marion to have a care for herself. But even when Dixie left them it seemed as if neither quite felt the peril as she felt it. In the afternoon the rain, falling steadily, kept her in the house, and she sat in her room sewing until the light failed. She went downstairs. Puss had lighted the grate in the living room, and Dixie threw herself into a chair. The sound of hoofs aroused her, and she went to a window. To her horror, 
she saw Sinclair walking with her cousin up to the front door. She ran into the dining room, and the two men entered the hall and walked into the office. Choking with excitement, Dixie ran through the kitchen and upstairs to master her agitation. In the office, Sinclair was sitting down before the hot stove with a tumbler of whiskey. Lance, he shook his head as he spoke hoarsely, I want to say my friends have stood by me to a man, but there's none of them treated me squarer through thick and thin than you have. Well, I've had some bad luck. It can't be helped. Regards, he drank and shook his wet hair again. Four days of hard riding had left no trace on his iron features. Wet to the bone, his eyes flashed with fire. He held the glass full of whiskey in a hand as steady as the spirit level, and tossed it down a throat as cool as dew. I want to say another thing, Lance. I had no more intention than a child of hurting Ed Banks. I warned Ed months ago to keep out of this fight and I never knew he was in it till it was too late. But I'm hoping he will pull through yet, if they don't kill him in the hospital to spite me. I never recognized the men at all till it was too late. Why, one of them used to work for me. A man with the whole railroad gang in these mountains after him has got to look out for himself, or his life ain't worth a glass of beer. Thank you, Lance, not any more. I saw two men with their rifles in their hands looking for me. I hollered at them, but, Lance, I'm rough and ready, as all my friends know, and I will let no man put a drop on me. That I will never do. Ed, before I ever recognized him, raised his rifle. That's the only reason I fired. Not so full, Lance. Not so full, if you please. Well, he shook his black hair as he threw back his head. Here's to better luck in worse countries. He paused as he swallowed and set the tumbler down. Lance, I'm saying goodbye to the mountains. You're not going away for good, Mary. I'm going away for good. What's the use? For two years, these railroad cutthroats have been trying to put something on me. You know that. They've been trying to mix me up with that bridge burning at Smoky Creek. Sugar Buttes, they've had me there. Tower W. Nothing would do, but I was there. And they've got one of the men in jail down there now, Lance, trying to sweat enough perjury out of him to send me up. What show has a poor man got against all the money there is in the country? I wouldn't be afraid of a jury of my own neighbors, the men that know me, Lance, any time. What show would I have with a packed jury in Medicine Bend? I could explain anything I've done to the satisfaction of any reasonable man. I'm human, Lance, that's all I say. I've been mistreated, and I don't forget it. They've even turned my wife against me, as fine a woman as ever lived. Lance swore sympathetically. There's good stuff in you yet, Murray. I'm going to say goodbye to the mountains, Sinclair went on grimly. But I'm going to Medicine Bend tonight and tell the man that has hounded me what I think of him before I leave. I'm going to give my wife a chance to do what is right and go with me. She's been poisoned against me, I know that. But if she does what's fair and square, there'll be no trouble. No trouble at all. All I want, Lance, is a square deal. What? Dixie, with her pulses throbbing at fever heat, heard the words. She stood halfway down the stairs, trembling as she listened. Anger, hatred, 
the spirit of vengeance choked in her throat at the sinister words she longed to stride into the room and confront the murderer and call down retribution on his head it was no fear of him that restrained her for the crawling stone girl never knew fear she would have confronted him and denounced him but prudence checked her angry impulse she knew what he meant to do to ride into medicine bin under cover of the storm murder the two he hated and escape in the night and she resolved he should never succeed if she could only get to the telephone but the telephone was in the room where he sat he was saying good-bye her cousin was trying to dissuade him from riding out into the storm but he was going the door opened the men went out on the porch and it closed dixie lightly as a shadow ran into the office and began ringing medicine ben on the telephone end of chapter forty